Hey, you're listening to Hashtag BTS Podcast. This is your host, Lene Cook, and this episode kicks off a series that I'm doing, and not necessarily in a row, but just a sort of general series that I have been working on for a while, where I do talk to people about the behind the scenes of their jobs, but then for those who are parents, I also talk to them about the like balance and how they manage being a parent and um, if they're married or not married, how they manage that part of their lives. Um, and this particular episode, I talked to Melissa Stratton, who I've known for a long time, and we get into that at the top of the episode, but we just talk about uh, what it is to be a mom. She has three kids and she has just an incredible relationship with each of her children and they're all in very different stages of life. Her oldest is 24 and just was married about a week before we recorded this episode. Then she has a 14 year old and an eight year old. And so she has, she's also been a mom her entire adult life. She had her first at 18 and then um, had the rest, I say the rest, the other two a little bit later. And she and her kids just have such an incredible relationship, each of her kids is just a really good person, which to me is a good indicator of good parenting is when all three kids are genuinely really good people. And I'm just so impressed and seeing her in her relationship with her husband has just taught me so much about how communication can work and has given me different constructs for conversations to have in romantic relationships as well as with kids. Her approach and her way of thinking of things and phrasing things is always really supportive while also challenging her kids to make their own decisions. Uh, One thing she used to say to her oldest and she probably says to the other two is when her oldest was getting to that age where they're doing stuff without parents around in junior high and high school, when she was leaving the house, she would just say, make your own decisions, which I love because what she means by that is like, make sure that your choices are your choices and not because you feel pressured. Like don't blame anyone else for your decisions or really make your own. So that is just one nugget that I've picked up from her over the years. She also, um, she got in a really crazy accident when her oldest child was, I think five or six. Um, And so we talk about how that affected her and her kid and how she's, you know, worked through that emotionally because that is a lot of trauma to go through. Um, It was a near-death experience and took a very long time to recover, both with physical and um, like psychological therapy. And then like several years later, after she had the other two kids, um, Lyme's disease reared its ugly head and she dealt with um, just going through battling Lyme's disease and Hashimoto's and some parathyroid issues for years. And she has since um, gotten better. And if you know anything about those autoimmune diseases and viruses, like they stick with you for forever. And so it's always something that you have to be aware of, but um, it took several years to get those under control and to find the right balance and address all the multitude of issues that were going on. And we talk about how that made her feel, um, the guilt that she felt, how she's managed those feelings since, and also how she has communicated with her kids to try and sort of resolve any of the aftermath of um, what that did to them. Because uh, when you're sick like that and you have a family, you're not the only person going through it. That also makes a really big impact on young children. It was a real just pleasure having her on this podcast. We've been friends for over 20 years and I can honestly, I can honestly say that our friendship has definitely changed just the way that I approach life in general and I appreciate her a ton and please know that obviously there's no one way to parent there's no um but I mean there's no one way to do anything but I will say that of all the parents I've met I have like she's definitely the top three of people who I have the most respect for their approach to parenting so we just get into the uh into the weeds of it and um and I really appreciate her sharing this like very personal um relationship with uh with me and everyone who's listening who's listening so I hope you enjoy this this is coming out just in time for Mother's Day of 2019 um not that I think moms are going to listen to this on Mother's Day but I think it's just something cool to listen to and if you are a parent maybe think about a different approach and if you're not a parent think about how 
you know, um, just different ways of potentially parenting and or like just your relationship with your parents and hopefully get a better understanding of what it is like to be on the uh, parent side of things um, because all of us know what it's like to be a kid, but we don't all know what it's like to raise people. Hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, welcome to hashtag BTS podcast. This is Lene Cook. And I am here with my friend, Missy Stratton, who I am now realizing her real name is Melissa, but she's my friend, so I always call her Missy. Um, And I thought it was really important to have an episode about something that uh, a really big chunk of the population does, which is being a parent. Um, She's a really great parent. I've watched her parent the entire time I've known her, which has been... You were seven. Yeah, so a while. We won't say how many years. <laughs> like, yeah, potentially like 22 years yes. off the top of my head. Um, and she has three kids, and I'm going to botch their ages. How old are each of them? 24 is the oldest. Uh-huh. 13 and 8. Oh, I can't believe he's 8 already. I know. Um, so she has three kids, and they're all really awesome, and I've watched her parent over the years and just been amazed at uh, her perspective on things, and so I decided to have her on to talk about uh, what it's like being a parent to three kids, um, one of which is in essentially a totally different generation than the other two, and they have all been born at very different times in your life. Very. Yeah. Um, So... I think Aww, you're so complimentary. <laughs> well, so nice. I wouldn't have you on if I didn't think you were good at it. Nice. Well, thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. I'll take it. Um, so I think the first question, um, which is like really what started the moment you found out you were going to be a parent, like how did becoming a parent kind of, I don't know, there's so many identity things about being a parent and who you are before you're a parent and who you are after. And how did your identity change from who you were before and then do you think of yourself as like a parent first? Like how do you think of yourself? Now or then? Then and now. I okay. Think. So or how my... did that change, I guess is the question. Yes. I had my first one at 18. So my whole 18th year was pregnancy and birth. And wow. so I changed significantly from this high school um, high school kid <laughs> to a parent. And, but I took it very seriously and I, it was like an automatic, the second I found out it was an automatic parent for situation and everything was for her. And it was awesome. I was actually, I was scared. Can you say shit? Yeah, you can. I was scared shitless, (laughs) but also very excited. And, um, I'd always wanted to be a parent. It was just earlier than I assumed it would happen, but I was totally at peace with it and just, just did it. Just like, I have to go to doctors. Okay. I have to do this. Okay. And yeah, I don't know. I turned into somebody who was then thinking of someone other than just myself. Yeah. And that was, I think, the biggest thing, which kind of shifted all my decisions were based at that point on what's best for she and I instead of just myself. And then after you had her, because I mean, you were, if I remember correctly, I didn't know you then, No. but you were, were you modeling and teaching horse training, like doing horse training stuff or were you modeling only? I was modeling only and I stopped that. Um, to have her and then I did a few odd jobs here and there that didn't keep me away from her too much my mom helped me out a lot with her when she was really young which was awesome um, and then I yeah and then I started modeling again when she was young and yeah so that was great mm-hmm. and it required a lot of travel that I decided after doing that a little bit that that was my priority was her and not being away from her. And that, so I stopped modeling after a time because... Like on her birthday, I think, if I remember correctly. Is that right? Yeah. It, or, it's very... Yeah, it was right before her birthday. Yeah. So I was in London and I'm like, this is this is lame. This is lame that I'm out here thinking and crying and sad that my daughter's at home with my mom and I'm here making money for us. Yes. But at the same time, to what extent? To what To what detriment? Am yeah. I here? You know, she's missing out on me. I had a dad that was worked all the time, never present. And I essentially did opposite of what he did because I wished that he had. Yeah. <laughs> and it worked. I came home and it totally was awesome. It was uh, one of the best decisions ever to stay home with her and figure out another option. Yeah. So, Which is when you started 
being a horseback riding instructor. Essentially, yeah. Yeah. I did a couple little things before that, but then, yeah. yeah. I, then I started doing that, which was my childhood passion, and I did all my life. And becoming a horse trainer was actually, other than being a mom, the only other thing I ever wanted to do. So that was pretty rad. That's awesome. Yeah. Did them both. Yeah. Doing them. Did <laughs> like, them both. Still and doing one. <laughs> at 20, done. Yeah, no. right? Yeah. Um, and then what – and then so – you were 18 when you had your first kid, mm-hmm. and then how old were you with your second? She, I was 30, not 29, 30 when she was born. Okay. Almost 30. And then how was that different than with the first time around? Um, I had a, high, a young high schooler. No, she was 11. I'm sorry. She was high school with my third. So she was 11 years old, my oldest, when I had her. So I had, that was a thing, was adding a second child to a essentially single child. So that was interesting transition. Um, how did you prepare her for that? Like, did you tell her when you were thinking about having a second kid and like letting her know that could be around the corner? She knew that we were talking about it. Yeah. Okay. But it took a long, it took a few years for her to actually, to, for me to get pregnant with her. So it was kind of like maybe off, not forward in her mind. Mm -hmm. Um, well, yeah. And she's a kid and she was 11 (laughs) busy with, you know, (laughs) everything else. Yeah. Yeah. But um, she was stoked. She was, I told her immediately, the second I found out. And she, so she was a part of it all. She was a part of anything she wanted to be a part, a part of. She was, she and I have always and still are very, very close, my oldest and I. and I mean, all three of us, but we're talking about her specifically right now. And she was involved in all of it. She, baby shower, helping out, being a part of it. Um, but as far as having a child at 30, I was married the second time, which I wasn't the first time. So that was a huge difference, having a partner there with me was great and helpful, but also challenging in its own way that I had to share now all of this with somebody. It wasn't all just me making the decisions, which I'm really comfortable doing. Yeah. <laughs> so that was just a shift. So it was different. Not It wasn't better or worse. It was just different. And so then did you know how many kids you wanted to have? Ever? I had a feeling three would be good, mm-hmm. but I could have been done with one. Mm-hmm. But then getting married, I'm like, oh, we got to have a kid. This would be great. So mm-hmm. then we had her and then I could have been good with two. But then in the back of my mind, I'm like, I don't know if I'm 100% done, blah, blah, blah. And then we consciously had a third when I was 35. Mm-hmm. And Your first boy. My first and only boy, <laughs> luckily. Three girls would have been a lot of girls. Yes. But would have been wonderful, but stoked he was a boy. Mm-hmm. Um, after I had him, there was zero doubt that I was done. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> so... It was great. It was it like kind of, it was, the family was complete. So what are your, and we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, um, mm-hmm. just about your relationship with your three kids. What are some things that maybe surprised you? Um, and then also like differences and similarities with the three kids. So my first being an only child for 11 years and also having a father I was not married to that she shifted homes. Mm-hmm. Um, she was raised extremely differently than my other two. Um, but our relationship, the question was relationship? Yeah, like, how are your, like, well, one thing that I'm just going to say is, mm-hmm. like, the thing that you said before this was, like, how surprised you were um, after your first, you were like, oh, I think you said, like, I can't imagine loving somebody else this much. Oh, right, right. So, yeah, you have a child, and, you you know, you love your dog and your horse and your mom and dad and your first car <laughs> more than anything in the world. <laughs> And then you have a kid and it's like, you know, you hear this all the time. It's so cliche, but it's true that you would, you know, take a bullet for them. And you have this child and you're just like, oh my gosh, my whole, like if anything ever happened to you, blah, 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 my whole heart. And then the thought of having another one, it's hard to imagine that love and that feeling continue, like being able to love the second one as much as the first. Mm -hmm. Like, how is that possible? And then you have that second one and somehow you just do. It just, I don't, I don't know the explanation for it, but you're just able, like, your love just grows. You don't love them. It doesn't take away. It doesn't take away in any way at all. And it it is um, the same amount of love, the same depth of love, just in different ways because they're different human beings completely, especially my daughters. They're like polar opposites, which is wonderful. But um, you just love them differently because... They're different people. How is that shifting gears? Because I've known, obviously, uh, I've known all of her kids, except for her oldest. I've known all of them their entire lives. Um, and even with her oldest, I met her when she was very young. Very young. Yeah. Um, 
How has that been shifting your parenting approach or style or communication? Because they're all so different Mm -hmm. and have such different needs. Like how is that essentially shifting gears all the time in how you engage with them? It was not always easy for sure, especially when I had a really difficult newborn son who was, he was a very difficult baby. And then I had one going into kindergarten at the same time. And I had one going into high school. She was 16 when I had Caswell. Oh God. So that was, I think the hardest point and I'm breastfeeding and I'm driving and he's not napping because he's in the car. He hated being in the car. He was screaming all the time. I have a, you know, it was a lot. It was, I was so overwhelmed. My husband would get home from work and I would literally hand him the baby and walk out the door for an hour because I just couldn't, I was too much sometimes. But I I felt like three different people all day long shifting and it was not easy. It's just not easy. You know, like I felt like there was times where one got gypped on something they might have needed or the other one, but you know, I'm only one person and they all get what they need at the end, you know, they're all equally spoiled and loved, but there's been a few times where it's like, all right, you guys just need to suck it up a little bit and like realize I have this screaming infant and you guys need to just handle, you know? Yeah. Which is an important lesson also to know that like sometimes Mm -hmm. things do happen on a needs basis Mm -hmm. and like the helpless infant is more important than like your need for juice help on yeah juice <laughs> at the moment wanting to watch this tv right. show together like right. whatever it may be one thing i you said to me years ago that really stuck with me was i think you said having kids is like inviting strangers to come live with you <laughs> well you don't get to choose your family right so right. you're essentially living with a bunch of strangers just making it work but i think what you added on to that was like <laughs> and it's your job to like take care of their basic needs and mm-hmm. make sure that they're decent people right which i really like because it does i think it's really easy, especially um, Missy and I are both uh, essentially like from Orange County. Mm-hmm. And it's very easy here to get caught up in like, is your kid getting good grades? Are they ahead on these like skill sets? Keeping and up are with they the Joneses. Athletic? Totally. Right. Like, are they pretty? Are they like all these extra things? And to take the approach of like, it's important that they're good people. Right. Is, I think, leaps and bounds better yeah. than a lot of the stuff that people worry about. Right. Um, because all that stuff will come, you know, all that stuff is either there or it's not. And you can't, I'm very not keep up with the Joneses. So it's easy for me to kind of say that doesn't matter. Well, and you didn't really like school. No. So you sympathize with like, Hey, I know I'm a smart person mm-hmm. that just doesn't show up in like graded exams sometimes. Until now. Until now. Which that's a whole separate topic. It is a separate topic. And so one <laughs> thing I do want to talk about is that during this, I think, I can't remember for how many years, but during this, you got really sick mm-hmm. um, and you found out you had Lyme's disease mm-hmm. and you were dealing with that. And how, how did you manage with that? Because that's a really hard thing to deal with in general, let alone when you have a husband and three children and like a life. You know, and like these three kids are depending on you. Yeah. Um, how did you deal with that then? And like, how have you felt about it since? Um, it was extremely difficult. I think the hardest part besides just the sick aspect, because I've had other stuff in the past that have been medical that I've had to deal with and accept, um, was the I had so much guilt as a mom, mm-hmm. not able to be at all of their events, not able to be the mom that I used to be, that I thrive to be, that I or well, strive that of, to be. And, and that one of your kids knew so well. Like your oldest knew that about you. She knew that the, the before me, right. you know, and the other two knew this, their mom was just a sick mom in bed, not feeling good, going to doctor's appointments all the time. And it was really difficult. It was really challenging. My husband's the one who like kept it all together and like, somehow managed the whole situation and was able to, he was the one that would show up at all the events and, and I just did what I could, but it was really, really hard. And I know it affects, especially my middle one now, um, cause she was at such a detrimental age at the time. Mm -hmm. But, um, but now four ish, right? When that started, is that right? No, it was after Caswell. So it was, she was five when he was born. So it was, she was probably Six-ish, six, something like that. Um, And I remember helping out in her classroom because I, like, try to help out in their classrooms once a week. And, like, I'm involved. And 
I remember finally getting to the point where I had to go to the teacher and say, you know, I just can't, I just can't come anymore because I feel, I just can't depend, you can't depend on me every week and I can't be here. Well, because, and just for like people listening to understand how bad it is, like she's being very, uh, like, (laughs) I don't know what the word, whatever the opposite of exaggerating is, she's doing the opposite of exaggerating. I think that's my coping mechanism. (laughs) (laughs) Is to like minimize the impact. So when you say pre, when she's saying previous medical things, what she means is that a horse uh, reared up and fell back on top of her and crushed her. Almost killed me. I My oldest now was only five at the time. Right. And it was after I met Lene. Yes. She actually came and visited me in the hospital. It was I very did. sweet. It but was I almost sad. died. Yeah. It was really severe. It was and gnarly. It took me years and years of physical and mental um, trauma and drama and, and therapy. therapy. Yeah to be okay again and then I was okay had a couple kids and then slam with Lyme's disease, Lyme disease. and several other things there were like other stuff layered on top of that oh yeah right? parathyroid like, thyroid like you name it and my my body just kind of went and Hashimoto's Hashimoto's right? okay severe allergies to so all this everything. gnarly autoimmune stuff yeah and there were days and like as as her good friend like we used to go riding and then go to the dog beach and do all this stuff and there were days where it, uh, for her to not commit to hanging out is it like a notable thing because yeah. even when she'd have the flu she'd be like sure come over we can just hang in bed or yeah. whatever while I have the flu um, but there were days where if I remember correctly like from the different medication you were on whatever that you like couldn't get out of bed no there was no getting out of bed or I would get up to take the kids to school come home go to bed force myself to wake up to pick them up come home go back to bed right which was terrifying it was gnarly and I didn't think I would ever be okay again so now that you have been so now, better, yes. how have you dealt with the guilt and how have you, because I think that you also, I think it's really cool that you've acknowledged how it's affected your kids mm-hmm. and like how have you worked on it with yourself and then worked mm-hmm. on it with them? I feel kind of like a badass just going through all the stuff that I have gone through. You've been crushed externally and internally. Oh God, it's been so much. <laughs> and I just, you know, I feel like I've just kind of come out more solid in my own stances of reality. If that mm-hmm. makes any sense. Like, I feel like what matters to me matters to me. I don't care if it matters to you. I don't care if it matters. You know what I mean? Like, as far as my core yeah. feelings and beliefs and the whole keeping up with the Jones thing to me is the silliest, most silly thing. Because what does that mean? You right. know, like, what makes you happy? What makes you thrive? What makes your family happy and thrive? And that's all that matters. And I just... um God, we were talking about something earlier that I wanted to throw out there, but I can't think of it right now. Mm-hmm. But um, Earlier, like in this, in this today. conversation or today in general? No, today in general. Was it about ongoing education? Was it about uh, getting over – because if you're feeling guilty during that, somehow you have to manage the guilt afterwards. Right. And have that conversation with your kids. Right. Well, I've had – yeah, I've had definite – Which you're really good at. Conversations with them about things and – you know, one of my kids specifically is very worried about me getting sick again or getting hurt in general, like PTSD from it straight up. And Which you got diagnosed, I think, right? Which is, I think, important. I was diagnosed with it after my horse accident. Okay. And then two of my children, one of them from the horse accident, one of them from seeing me so sick from the, from the Lyme. And uh, so... Yeah, it's it's just helping them, but having experienced it myself, I'm able Mm -hmm. to understand it in them and help them and explain to them it's okay and it's... Which is important because I think so many, I've talked to so many people who go through this stuff and don't realize how much it affects their family Mm -hmm. and the people around them, whether Mm -hmm. that's their kids or their parents or whatever. And I think it's really cool that you've taken the time to go like, oh, I'm not the only one dealing with this stuff right now. Like, there are three little people who mm-hmm. look up to me, and now, like, they're, you know, half of their parents mm-hmm. are sick. Yeah. And, like, not okay. And they're essentially faced with, like, the idea of mortality at right. a really early age with somebody, like, horribly mm-hmm. close to them yeah. to be thinking about that. Yeah. Yeah, they were used to me just up in the morning, powering all day, doing it. My husband travels all the time, and less now than before, but still often and I'm just totally fine Mm -hmm. just managing it all on my own the kids the family the house and that shifted so drastically pretty quickly yeah and so yeah that was um but now I'm back 
And I'm like killing it. And I'm yeah. like up all day. I'm do- like. She has chickens in the yard. Oh my gosh. She has chicken coop built that she cares for. Chickens. Animals. Cats. Dog. Involved in everyone's classroom. Yeah. It's. I'm like totally back. Helped plan a, her daughter's wedding. Oh, that was. Yep. <laughs> that happened a week and a half ago. Just, how does it feel to be so young and have a married daughter? It's amazing. Because yeah. I love him. Jake yeah. is amazing. And Selena, her husband. Yeah, yeah, her husband. And he, husband. So weird. It's so weird. And to he say. is so, or she is so happy. And they're just, it's wonderful. It's wonderful because it was time. She's 24. She's, they've been together for six years. And they're both stoked about it. They're so happy. Yeah. And they're perfect for each other. So if all of those things weren't the way they are, it'd be harder. But yeah. no, it's wonderful. It's definitely a transition having a spare bedroom in my house for the first time ever. <laughs> <laughs> you, that you may sleep in yeah. now anytime you want. It's very exciting to come here and be in a bed <laughs> Not and have couch. a door. Um, so quick question, and I have like a bunch of different things because your kids are all such different ages and um, obviously technology has developed rapidly. Mm-hmm. What has been your guys' approach with technology with the kids and how has that changed since technology has changed so much from the time your oldest was growing up? Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, so... My what oldest, are your thoughts in general on Yeah. It? My oldest did not have any of that technology stuff until she was a freshman in high school. She got her first cell phone. Mm-hmm. And even then, they didn't have Instagram and all that stuff. Um, and she always managed that pretty well. Like, I never really had to have any serious conversations about, like, concern for her on that front. Because she was already kind of older and had her own self-esteem. For me, self-esteem is, like, huge for children. So if you have good self-esteem, I feel like that can take you throughout your life and like be solid yeah in many ways I mean you can always falter but I think that's such an imperative truth and self-esteem and she had that so that was cool so I felt she was good my second one she got her first phone at 11 mm-hmm. because that's when she was starting to get more independent and like being able to reach her nobody had home phones anymore so I wanted to reach her I had to reach her friend's cell phone it was a kind of a thing where I was like okay I feel like I guess it's time to get her a cell phone and so she actually didn't have all that stuff right away. So it was just... But did you put parental controls and stuff totally, on it initially? Totally. She had full parental controls going on just because... And she's such an amazing, trustworthy, straight A plus student. Like, I don't worry about her making bad choices with mm-hmm. the electronics um, or on social media at all. I worry about the social media failing her mm. and bringing things into her mind that she doesn't need to be experiencing yet. Right. At that young age. So that was the thing for me. Like, I still, I just recently, like, she has YouTube, you know, which is, but she didn't forever. And my eight-year-old has no access to YouTube because it's totally inappropriate, you know? Like. Yeah. And you can get in such a rabbit hole. Oh, like, it's, yeah, Things terrible. that you didn't want them to see that right. even if that initial video was mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. like, the stuff that they can get down to from all the recommendations. Exactly. Or from, and their comments are insane. Oh, yeah. This the is too much. Gnarly. Yeah. And I'm not overly sheltered of my children by any means. I mean, they go to skate contests all the time and like there's people smoking weed, there's swearing and swearing and, and yeah. there's, you know, all this stuff, but they're solid. We're not doing it in front of them. We're not speaking that way. Like they see a, a healthy reality at home mm-hmm. where that's just the way it is out there. Right. Um, so with my middle one, there was definite parental controls, but she, you know, is solid and, and on such a good path. And her self-esteem is like through the roof. She's killing it. She's doing so great that she's doing great. So she's on a good deal. Mm-hmm. My eight-year-old, he's a different story. This little eight-year-old boy who would be on his iPad all day long, if allowed, playing mm-hmm. Minecraft and whatever. There's a couple games he's just super into. and So I limit it. I limit it to he doesn't have it during the week. Mm-hmm. and on the weekends there's like an hour or two depending on what we're, you know, just kind of hang out. But um, like heavy parental controls on him because he will sit there and like go and grab a whole stuff, you know. Right. And I actually just yesterday had to have this conversation. Not had to, but it was brought up. He wanted YouTube. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I had to explain to him. It's not that I don't trust you. Right. I trust that you're not. He's like, I'm not going to look up anything bad. I'm like, I, I, and I, I, believe you I know that but it's not you that I don't trust I don't trust YouTube to not be throwing but I'm not going to look at them but they're still there you know it's just not something that you're at your eight 
and he's like, well, when can I get it? When I'm 10? When I'm not? I'm like, I don't know. We're just going to have to wait and see because every kid is so different. You can't just say yes. at 10 or at 13. It depends on the kid. And technology changes so much. So much. That it's like. It's shocking. I mean, it's not like saying, when can I get my ears pierced? No. It's a very different thing where right. like maybe in three years, YouTube won't be a place you're allowed to be at all. Right. Or maybe it'll be the safest place on right. the internet. Something will happen. And you can have it next year because right. stuff will change. So I can't tell you that. I'm sorry, buddy. But no. for now, I don't trust YouTube. You have YouTube Kids, which is safe. You, mm -hmm. you know. But I have his search engine on his iPad turned off, for, except for certain, you know, things because he, he it has a quest for knowledge and he'll look up things, and I just don't trust what's going to pop up or what his friends might do if they're on it. That and stuff too, like that. Yeah. How has that been managing, like, sort of, you know? what your kids should look for in friends because friends are so influential mm -hmm. and it's, you know, I think it's tricky for all parents about like who they are okay with their kids being friends with and who they're not okay with that. And then how do you tell your kids to like think the best of people and be a good example, but like don't be around those people. That has been tricky a few times for sure with all three of the kids. Um, not so much casual, not so much the little guy yet, but mm -hmm. the older two for sure. Um, and, I'm all about them making friends with whoever they want to make friends with. Mm -hmm. But I'm also ha allowed to have an opinion on certain things. And I have to be very careful how I do it and not judge the person, mm -hmm. but judge the behaviors they might be doing. Right. For instance, their Instagram posts. Right. Right? So I look at, like, my girl's Instagram posts are so sweet and, like, legit. Like, yeah. rock climbing, not bathing suit photo shoots. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. So. I just, I'll look at some of these Instagram posts is a perfect example of these girls that might not have the best self-esteem or like, why are you, why do you feel the need? And that's actually they're just a good up to other girls on Instagram. Right. Like it may, I think there's so many girls out there yeah. who are just like, well, this is what you use Instagram for. Right. And I think it's a really good, um, catalyst actually for conversations with the girls where, especially right now, my 13 year old where if this is such a prevalent issue, yeah. um, that this is not these people's real worlds. Yeah. It's a highlight reel. It's a highlight, highlight reel. This is not their every day. This is – and everything you put on the Instagram and everything you put on the internet is there forever. I don't think many children are told that. Yeah. I think that every child needs to know that from the beginning. Like it will never go away. You might delete it. It's never going away though. Like yeah. just the reality of how – in their future, what it matters, it matters so much for your future. Like – when I help my husband looking at someone to hire, where do you think we go to look who these people are? Yeah. Well, and what's, right? even if you're not looking someone up on social media, mm -hmm. you look up a name on Google and typically that's what's going to come up first. Right. Like unless you're quoted in magazines and stuff like that, that mm -hmm. does come up first. And, and I think even if it's like, and I get, you know, there is a, a difference where it's like, hey, I might be good at my job, but here's what I put online or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think what's so dangerous for kids in social media is to go like, not only, I mean, sure, if someone looks like they're having a lavish life every day, mm -hmm. maybe that really is their life. Right. That is not a reflection of their happiness. Right. Or their own self-worth or anything right. like that. And to go like, that does not equal like all these amazing highlight reel posts doesn't mean that internally mm -hmm. they're happy mm -hmm. are two very different things because it's easy to curate content that makes things look a certain way mm -hmm. in the same way that before Instagram, it was very easy to like, you know, walk around dressed a certain way. Mm -hmm. And that was sort of the image you were putting out there. You just didn't have the internet to curate it for you. Mm -hmm. And that none of that has ever reflected like having a super nice car mm -hmm. and like a good title at work. Like none of that has ever reflected being a good person. Mm -hmm. So like neither does that right like captured version. Yeah. It's very interesting though with my 13 year old to be able like she's very much an individual in herself mm -hmm. and not following the, the social normal quote unquote Newport Beach like right. stuff thankfully. And I think that having parents – like her dad and I, who also are not caught up in that world, is huge. Right. I think the fact that we aren't like right now, I'm wearing sweats and a camouflage sweatshirt that I wore to our breakfast this morning because right. I didn't put real clothes on and I didn't go home and change. I went anyway, and then I think that is the kind of stuff like showing the kids, like, dude, 
Yeah. Just be who you are. Yeah. And it's okay. Like, people will love you for it. And you don't have to do what this person's doing. Like, letting her know, like, trying to help explain there's a reason this person is portraying herself on Instagram, for instance, as other, you know, friends. Why do you think they're doing that? Yeah. What is their purpose at 13? The root reasoning you know, behind that. It's like so much is self-esteem and being like not knowing who you are and searching and... And the world around you, especially mm-hmm. here, mm-hmm. telling you that as a girl, that's your value. Right, which sucks. Which super sucks. So my girls don't have that. That makes me yeah. so it's proud amazing. of them. It is so awesome. Like, I don't know how you managed for the... I don't either. I think I just lucked out on that. Because they are rad and they are... But the way you phrase stuff is really good too. Like one of your kids today earlier said, and it was the most hysterical quote to me because we're in the car and out of nowhere the exclamation comes from the back seat, Mom, I cannot wear shorts anymore. Which I'm sitting here thinking like maybe they're they're hurting this kid. Right, you right. Know? Uncomfortable or... Right. Yeah. And I like that your response when they were telling you like, oh, it's because I don't like how I look in shorts. Right. Instead of saying, like, contradicting them and going, oh, but you look great in shorts, you said, oh, is that how you feel? Mm -hmm. And then you said, well, I think you look great in shorts. But if you feel – I think you said something about, like, if you don't feel that way, then go ahead and keep wearing, like, you know. He wears his leggings under his shorts. It's very cute. (laughs) He wears leggings under his shorts. It's very cute. And he was very concerned about, Mm -hmm. like, having bruises and bruises. That's right. He didn't want to show bruises. And I just thought it was nice that you were that you didn't say you didn't contradict the mm-hmm. way he felt you didn't like invalidate his feelings, mm-hmm. um, and you didn't then offer a solution of like well then you should just wear pants all the time. Mm-hmm. It was like okay well you're allowed to feel that way. Mm-hmm. I support that. Mm-hmm. I feel like you look great, but if that's what you it want doesn't to matter do, how I feel. <laughs> no one's stopping you. Right, right, like, right. Go ahead and wear you know yeah. like, and so I think that that's super cool. I, I think it's just super important for them to show their individuality in their hair and their dress. Um, and they do. Yeah, they definitely do. You know, and it's appropriate. Like, they choose the appropriate, you know. Yeah, and they're happy with it until they're not, and then they change it right. and feel good about it because right. they're not rebelling against anything. Right. I just feel like picking and choosing your battles is so imperative. Like, is it worth forcing you – you know what I mean? I just feel like – Right. What is important? Is hair important? No. <laughs> Especially when it comes to physical expression because mm-hmm. then that is really, I think, sending – when a kid's image is being controlled, that's mm-hmm. sending them the message that, like, uh, like you don't own your own image. It like damages their else. self-esteem. Totally. You're invalidating what they think. Yeah. What are some things that um, you wish you would have done differently? Hmm. I didn't anticipate asking you that. Yeah, I yeah. No, it. that's okay. I, um, I know there's things for sure. Um, well, it's tricky because they're all, again, they're all so different. And so I think trying to, I'm like feeling overwhelmed at that question because there's like <laughs> three different, you know, right. Three major age. Yeah. Basically. So with my oldest, I regret not fighting to have her with me more than like she spent some time with her dad periodically and I felt like that might not have been the best decision so I think for me that would have been something I would have shifted mm-hmm. um cause that was hard for her yeah being over there um at times and then gosh Olivia I feel like with Olivia I, I would like to I don't have, I I don't live with regrets. Like I don't feel like I have many regrets in my life. I feel like they're all lessons and they're Mm -hmm. all to be learned from. Mm -hmm. So I don't look at things as as regret, but things I would do differently. um, I think I would like to, um, what is it when you're like, not encourage isn't the right word, but like foster Mm -hmm. my 13 year old's love for the outdoors and travel Mm -hmm. and be daring. And she's a rock climber and she just wants to like travel the world and right. So foster that. And she wants to be a marine biologist. Like she's so hardcore. She's Mm -hmm. like gnarly going to be president or something someday. (laughs) So just fostering that in her a little more would be awesome. Um, Mm -hmm. Which is hard when it's something that you're not into. It's hard. You like being outside, but you're not like, let's go camping and be outside for a week. Right. But my husband is, which is cool. So they're going to go out this weekend, for instance, and go do that. So she does have it. It's not like she doesn't have it, but... um, but yeah, I think that would be cool to do more of that stuff with her. Mm-hmm. With the little guy, tough to say. 
Still up for debate. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. How um, have you maintained your own, because you are a very independent person, mm-hmm. how have you maintained your own independence and identity? Having three kids and also being married is a lot. Mm-hmm. And then, um, like, how how do you do that and find time to also, because you I've always seen you work on progressing as a person and learning stuff mm-hmm. and being better at things and just like getting really into stuff, whether that was like through a class or mm-hmm. just general interest on things. Like mm-hmm. how have you, did that come naturally to you or did you have to learn how to set up like, Hey, I have my own stuff too that I care about. And how do you communicate that to your kids without making them feel? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Cause I think that's hard for yeah. a lot of people. I think that came very naturally to me. I was raised essentially um, very independently. Uh huh. Right. So I was, I was on my own a lot as a child and I had my horses and my animals. And so I think it started from there. I was just always very content by myself, happy by myself. Uh, I always had friends, so I'm not lacking of friends, but I also don't feed off of people, people's energy. Like I I, don't need it. I don't need it for my joy. Um, so it started as a child, as childhood, I think for sure. And now I, well, I married someone who is equally as independent which is huge. If I had married someone who was more needy, that would have been very, very difficult for me. I don't think you would have married someone. I couldn't have. It would have been too much. So, (laughs) so he travels, he's independent when he's home. I mean, that works out really well. We parent well together. Um, and as far as the kids, I always felt growing up that I wished my mom had hobbies. I wished my mom did more for herself. Mm -hmm. So I think just my kids seeing me go to yoga as much as I can or, Mm -hmm. Going back to college and trying to get degrees and... And also kicking ass at those. I am kicking ass at those. So <laughs> stoked right now. And like, or having my garden projects or whatever. I just feel like it's really... I don't even feel the need necessarily to explain it to the kids. I feel like just right. living my life yeah, for them first mm-hmm. and also having a life on my own yeah, is imperative. I was always angry at my mom. For not having anything on her own. Like, what about you? What about you? Like, where's your joy? Yeah. And I felt like that not joy trickled down. And I just swore that I would always make time to see friends when I needed it. Right. Or got out of the house or had hobbies and did stuff for myself. And I feel like just my kids witnessing this is really beneficial. Because my husband also, he'll go surfing or he'll go, you know, he has his own hobbies, which is great. And I Mm -hmm. think that... um, I don't have not felt the need to explain this to the kids. Yeah. Um, Cause they've never like, it's never been an issue. It's never been like taken away from them. Right. It's an addition. Totally. And, um, and you include them. Like when you're gardening, you're not like go away. I'm no, gardening. no. They're included in anything I want. Like yeah. my 13 year old did yoga with me all summer last summer. I mean, mm-hmm. it was awesome. You know, we'd go to classes and you know, it's, it's a thing. So, and then, You've been married for 15 years? 16, 17. 17 years. How have you, because obviously like the, the honeymoon period mm-hmm. wears off and you also have had to, like how have you continued to like keep your marriage like where you both, you know, are in it still? I think first and foremost, <laughs> we have our own separate lives. Right. That we can bring together. Yeah. That is huge. Like I was just saying a minute ago, you know, for us. Um, and we're both continuously striving to make ourselves better for mm-hmm. each other and for ourselves and for the family. Mm-hmm. And neither one of us has ever wavered in our commitment to each other, mm-hmm. no matter what external chaos or internal right. chaos is going on, Yeah, which we know can all get, can get extreme after 20 something years of knowing each other. Right. But we've always stayed true to ourselves and we always have truth amongst each ourselves. If we didn't have like trust in each other a hundred like explicitly a hundred percent yeah this would not work well and you're both incredibly honest people in we're general. very honest like not just in your relationship with each right. other right but in general you're both super just it's truthful so and honest important. people it's so important and so um yeah trying to make time for each other can be really difficult we need more of it absolutely yeah date nights or whatever you want to call them like doing something yeah it's easy to get caught up in not doing that because mm-hmm. we're both super busy. But so that is something that could totally be improved on. Mm-hmm. 
but we both are like unwavering in our commitment and that's just massive. What are things that you, uh, like if you had parenting advice to give to people who are new parents or they already have kids, like what stuff that you feel like, um, people should hear more of? Make decisions based on what you know are going to be best for your children and your, and your family as a whole Mm -hmm. and make time for yourself and always show up, always show up. What does that mean to you? To me, that means if something's important at school, show up. If you say you're going to be there at a certain time, you're there at a, right the, at that time. Like yeah. always show up, be dependable Yeah. and be approachable, mm-hmm. be honest with your children. If they ask you a question, if you're not honest with your children, then they're going to stop asking you stuff. Because they're not gonna feel like they're getting from you what they're asking for, right? What is it? What does like being approachable mean to you? Um, always like putting your phone down. Mm. Mm-hmm. If you're somewhere and your child calls, do your best to answer the phone. I know it's not always possible with work and everything that's going on, but do your best to always be as present as possible and mm-hmm. just like aware of what they're doing and knowing, asking them questions, you know, and knowing who their friends are and acknowledging and being, I forgot the question, but just being like, just being totally there. And like, you know, I mean, they're not, they're not your every waking moment. Right. Cause that would not be healthy. Right. But when they need you, you be there. Yeah. Period. You drop everything. Cause they're number one. Yeah. Even though you're number one. Right. Well, emergen- <laughs> emergencies to them are, are, yeah, it's a different thing. Like you are number totally, one, but right. also you brought these people into the world. Exactly. They're and your priority. Yeah. They're your responsibility. Yes. I agree with you completely. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, man. I had a, What do you think you're going to do when they all move out? Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm hoping. I'm going to school right now to become a psychotherapist. So hopefully I'll be doing that. And I'll have some cute little room and some cute little house we own somewhere else other than Orange County. And <laughs> people can come and I can, like, just hang out and get paid and, like, enjoy what I'm doing. It's going to be so weird. I mean, my oldest is going to have kids in a couple years. She just got married. So I'm going to have grandchildren soon-ish. And I still have a second grader. So I don't know. (laughs) I'm open to whatever the future brings. Which I I love about you. I look forward to being a grandparent very much. But I can, like, not in a hurry. School's consuming, which is great. I want to finish school. And Mm -hmm. I want to, like, find a job that I love. Because I did parenting first. And I did kids and family first. So when they're out. That's like, okay, what do I want to do? I want to, like, find something I love that... And hit so, the ground running. And hit the ground running and yeah. just, like, have my degrees behind me. So I'm, like, ready to do that. And, like, I don't know how pipe dream that is or not, or not but dream. we'll see. We will see. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we'll just have plenty of money and I can just garden and have a goat. I don't know. I think even <laughs> if that was the case, you would probably want to be... Like, because I've just seen how much uh, joy you find in, like, the classwork that you're doing that or like the reading and stuff that you've done Mm -hmm. that pertains to doing that Mm -hmm. I imagine you'd at least want to do it for a while yeah or I could totally see you just volunteering your time as a psychotherapist right right being like I'll do it for free I'm just here I just need to do something I just want to like hear everybody's stories Mm -hmm. uh so I paused a little bit before asking this question because if you don't want to answer it that's totally fine Mm -hmm. uh last night we talked about how it feels having your oldest married and out Mm -hmm. of the house are you comfortable talking about that on this? Totally. Okay. Yeah. It's wild. I'm only 43. <laughs> My daughter just got married and to an amazing man, I think I said earlier, who's just incredible. And I think because, well, I know because she's thrilled. He's awesome. They live a mile and a half from our house. So that's pretty radical. It's not like they live far away. Right. Um, it's conflicting in the fact that she's been with me for 24 years and mm-hmm. now she's gone. But it's not negative. It's very positive because it's all good. Mm -hmm. Luckily, like if it wasn't, then there'd be something a little shifted. But everything is just awesome. And it feels strange in the fact that the responsibility that I had for her up until a week and a half ago, even if even at 24 years old, I felt this this sense of responsibility for her um, that I no longer have. Mm -hmm. I'm her mother through and through forever I mean clearly that's never going anywhere and she calls me I'll be there in a heartbeat but um it's this sense of okay now you're with that person and you've taken on each other 
-hmm. and he takes on your stuff, you take on his stuff, and it's kind of like they're now moving forward with this. Right. And it's so awesome. Yeah. It is so awesome. And you mentioned last night when we were talking about this that you, you, I think you said, like, I... I can't believe that no one ever told me that this is how parents feel, like, when their kids are happily married and, like, right. move out. The sense of relief <laughs> that everything is working out the way it should. Right. And that I went from feeling like I had this responsibility for three kids down to, like, responsibility for two kids. Mm-hmm. And that's a crazy feeling. Like, I've that's just – I never thought about that before. Yeah. I mean, I guess I've – thought about it but until I felt it I didn't know what it felt like well obviously. and you've been responsible for her your entire adult life exactly I've you've never, never been not, an adult and not a parent right ever so not for a minute so yeah so it's shifted it's just shifted my reality to a different positive place of like okay Selena check like she's managed <laughs> she's okay right. she got through all this unscathed and she's happy and she's right. like and she's graduating college great. and she's yeah. got a great job and she's with someone great. It's like, mm-hmm. dude, yeah, we did this. Yeah. It's amazing. That it's is amazing. Awesome. Um, I have two more questions. Mm-hmm. One is what other things about parenting like that feeling do you feel like no one told you and people don't talk about enough? Hmm. Hmm. I know there's many of them. <laughs> Yeah, I, I it's I don't know, I don't know about that one yet. I don't know if I can answer that. Okay, that's fine. I want to come up with some great answer. <laughs> you can also, when you think of it, just tell me, and okay. I can do the outro of the podcast oh, of nice. like, hey, Missy sent her at, her Perfect. answer retro- <laughs> retroactively. Perfect. And now I've got an answer. Well, then the last question is, um, in fact, I think this is today might have been the first time we've talked about this podcast between the two of us. Mm -hmm. So the theme of the podcast is essentially the behind the scenes of final products. Mm -hmm. In this situation, it's the behind the scenes of like the final product of being a mom and potentially also the final product of children. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But other episodes are like, um, my friend Kadar was on talking about how aluminum gets from like the ground to like being in landing gear, but also aluminum foil. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then another friend talked about like the behind the scenes of being a stand-up comedian. So my my last question is always like, what somebody else wants to hear the behind mm-hmm. the scenes of? Um, and so like I don't know. Jessica said she wanted to hear the behind the scenes of like being a funeral home director, mm-hmm. and like so. What what would you like to? I've hear? already researched that. Oh, one. you did? Oh yeah, I love oh, that stuff. Oh, you of course you did. I'm not surprised yeah. by this. It's amazing. Thank you. So, what would I like to see the behind the scenes of? Yeah, like for a future episode of this yeah. podcast. Hmm. Yes. I'm very curious what Missy's going to say because I know she's like very into weird anatomy, like medical stuff and taxidermy. And all kinds of, like, wild medical things. But then also uh, has done research around, like, protein alternatives and things like that. That's super cool. Hmm. And so she's always catching me off guard with different <laughs> with different oh, interests some, what would I, and rabbit holes that right. she's gone down. Yeah, there's many of them. Well, I know. Right now, I, I think... I'm so psychology-minded because of my whole schooling situation mm-hmm. that I guess I'm curious right now. It's not going to be that exciting, but I'm kind of curious about people's um, journeys get going through their master's, what they did with it, mm-hmm. and how they felt. I was talking to a friend of mine whose wife became a, a family um, marriage counselor type thing. Mm-hmm. But she was young when she did it, and it was too much for her. Interesting. It was overwhelming. She couldn't handle the dynamics. It was too much. Were too much. Too much for her. Yeah. And um, so that was interesting to me because I never really considered that aspect. So different right. aspects of people's reactions to starting this career. Yeah. I'm sure are vast. You know. So I'm very interested. I think on um, since that's hopefully my path. Well, that is right now my path. <laughs> <laughs> so weird to think I'm still doing all this right now. Well, and you're not, like, sitting here crossing your fingers. Like, you're actually doing it. I'm so actually doing it. I'm on the path. Yeah. You're not, like, waiting to win the psychologist lottery no. someday. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I, I'm curious about that. I'm curious how people feel once they finally get to that point where yeah. they're doing it. Like, what is it like for them? 
Definitely. That would be, I would, I've thought about interviewing like maybe four or five different psychologists, psychotherapists, mm-hmm. psychiatrists, like all of them, mm-hmm. um, and across different specialties and walks of life and mm-hmm. like places in their career. Yeah. Because it isn't, and I have a tendency on this podcast actually to interview people who do similar things. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's really important for people to know that there are, like, many ways to exist with a certain title. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, many ways to, you know, practice in, like, a mental health profession. Mm-hmm. And that it's not the same for everyone. It doesn't work well for everyone. And, like, some right. people are great with those things. And some people, you know, get worn down and hate it. Mm-hmm. And, um like the pros and cons, like what do they see yeah. as pros and cons and what's hard for them and what's easy for them. And right. it's going to be different for everybody, but I'm kind of curious. Um, I never looked into that aspect of all of this. So that's cool. I love that's that. That's something I'm curious about. I like it. Nice. Well, thank you for being on. Thank you for having me. Yeah, happily. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. And I hope that you and your family had a lovely Mother's Day. Um, and I would love to know, I guess, sort of things that your parents have done that you found helpful or things that you've done as a parent or learned as a parent. I think that that is really interesting. I'm excited because there are several parents that I am either recording with in the near future or have already recorded with as I release this episode that we talk about just different things that they've learned throughout the phases of their kids uh, just, you know, coming into existence and then growing up. Uh, One thing I love about being able to talk to Missy is that she has kids in such different age groups that she is still very in tune with the early, you know, first few years and what that is like and what it's like to have a kid who is married and out of the house. And I love that she shares that um, no one really prepared her to kind of feel the way that she felt when her oldest moved out and is married and just um, how different that is and how different that is for everybody. And I just feel like she has always taken a very balanced and loving and responsive approach um, to all of the relationships in her life where she really takes into consideration um, where people are coming from and what they want. And she's definitely an emotionally responsive person versus being an emotionally reactive person. And that has just taught me so much about the variety of ways to approach, you know, when people do things that maybe we don't love, um, but also recognizing that people are independent and deserve that level of independence. And oftentimes people's choices don't have anything to do with us. Um, Yeah, so I just really appreciate her. And I hope that you uh, learned something in this and maybe, I don't know, I just hope that this was a useful and helpful episode. If you know any uh, people who are uh, psychotherapists or cognitive therapists or any other type of therapy, I am looking to book several types of therapists on. Hopefully my therapist, who is great, will agree to be on. And um, I really would like to explore more of that because there are such a variety of ways to practice being, um, I guess, like a mental health caregiver. Um, And I think it's really interesting to hear those people's experiences because so often we have the idea of what a good therapist is supposed to do but that is you know much like a good parent that can often be a moving target what I expect of uh, my parents is very different from what you expect of your parents and probably our siblings as well and our parents uh, cannot or should not and should not strive to be all of those things and so I just really love talking to people and being able to provide different frames of thought for listeners. Speaking of which, if you're listening, I appreciate you and thank you for getting this far and not just turning this off. I would like to thank Benjamin Matherum for the music on this podcast. And I would also um, just ask you to, uh, you don't need to subscribe. Obviously, I'd appreciate it. But please do, if you like the podcast, leave a positive rating and review. The words in a review do help podcasts get discovered more and it just helps me get more listeners and, you know, searchability improves with those ratings and reviews and it's just very helpful to those of us that make the podcast. If you want to support this podcast on a financial level, you can enjoy a in-home massage or I suppose an in-home massage that feels wordy but also grammatically correct to say please do use my promo code for Soothe. It is L-Z-L-R-Z. Soothe will come to your apartment or your hotel 
um, or wherever you're at and bring a table and give you your choice of a sports or deep tissue massage. I love it. You can book um, couples massages. You can choose if you have a male or female uh, masseuse, if that is something that you have a preference on, or you can choose either and just uh, get, you know, any person who is down to come over. And it's great. I do their monthly subscription. I love it. Mm, it's just really wonderful. And if you've already used it and you don't feel like doing that, or perhaps you don't like people touching you, but you want to uh, contribute somehow, shoot me some money on Venmo. Uh, by all means, no one's stopping you. I'm just at Lene-Cook. Just five or ten dollars, uh, you know, makes a difference. Helps me get that cup of coffee um, because that's how expensive coffee is. It's five dollars and ten if I get two. Um, let's not talk about the cost of fancy macadamia and hazelnut milks. I'm lactose intolerant, so a latte will cost me more. And I try to stomach Americanos, but not always, uh, not always my favorite, but I'm trying. All right. Well, thank you for listening. I appreciate you and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Please do follow BTS podcast on the internets at, at BTS the podcast. Thanks.